are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Happy Blue Friday. Glad to be joined by my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got a jam-packed episode heading into Pro Bowl weekend. Nick and I are going to be breaking down some thoughts on why the Seahawks struggled so much on third down this past season and what they may be able to do to remedy that issue going into 2022. And plus, it's free agency Friday. We're going to start looking at some free agents by division today. Going to be poaching from within the NFC West, one of our favorite segments to do during the offseason. You won't want to miss it. Going to be a jam-packed episode. This episode is brought your way by GetUpside. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. As I mentioned yesterday, the Pro Bowl is not one of those things that I care very much about. In fact, I could not care less about the NFL's All-Star event at this point. As a kid, thought a little bit differently of the event, but not necessarily something that I've been jumping for joy to watch over the last decade or so. It just seems like the game each year becomes less and less important and just more of a spectacle. But the Seahawks will have two players competing in the game on Sunday. And something that I think has a lot more value than the actual game, Nick, is the Pro Bowl skills showdown, which happened last night. And, oh, by the way, Russell Wilson was out there dropping dimes all over the field, just smoked Mac Jones, gave the Patriots rookie a little bit of a welcome to the NFL moment, Pro Bowl style, beating him 29-9 to in the precision passing contest. And I'll tell you, Russell Wilson, if there were any questions about where his finger's at, we saw the way he finished the season on a strong note for the Seahawks. He wasn't having throws get away from him. He wasn't airmailing short passes. He was firing dimes all over the field, hitting moving target, moving targets on back shoulder fades. He was ripping throws to slants, hitting targets in the end zone on deep balls. You name it. It looked like vintage Russell Wilson. So even though it was a, just a Pro Bowl showcase, just a skills competition, that should be something that excites Seahawk fans heading into this offseason, assuming, of course, that number three is still going to be here next year. Yeah, that competition could be kind of sh- uh, shielded or, or masked as like a combine, <laughs> as like as a as a way to 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 demonstrate skills, and that's and that's the biggest takeaway is that clearly his finger is no longer an issue. I mean, we kind of felt that way the last couple weeks of the year. I mean, you look at the stats from just you cut the season down to just the last two weeks of the year when the Seahawks were really clicking. He was a top three quarterback the last three the last two weeks of the year. He was he was on back on his game, so clearly he's back to full health, which is amazing. Uh, great to see. He still has some of the best touch and deep ball accuracy in the NFL. I still argue he has literally the best deep ball of any quarterback in the league. I know he's got some imperfections and things that make you pull your hair out every once in a while, but that is one thing that he's always had, and it's, clearly it's still there. And, and it's it's always nice to to school a rookie like that, especially when he's from the Patriots. But uh, it's it's good to sign to see him do that and, and put on a show because really that that's what this was about. And he became one of the stars of that show 
and went viral on Twitter. And you're seeing all the videos of him nailing these throws. And it's really great to see, especially, you know, he's done in Seahawks gear. I mean, clearly he's, he's, it's not like he's totally shunning the team and, 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 and especially in the pro bowl where you have, I would imagine you have one little Nick, you're not, you're like at 98%, not hundred percent. You're not doing anything. I mean, that's just something that you wouldn't do. So the fact that he even participated and also he just killed it is a really good sign. And I'm hoping if he's in a uniform, the Seahawks uniform in 2022, we get that vintage rust that we got a little glimpse of at the end of the year. And also in this pro bowl skills challenge. I saw a few guys on social media that were joking about, you know, maybe the Seahawks should hire one of these targets out here because Russell Wilson is just throwing perfect passes to him. But then they kind of realized, but they're not doing a great job catching the passes, though. Nonetheless, it's the best that I've seen Russ look in quite some time. And as you mentioned, those last couple of weeks, I think you really looked the last four or five games. The Rams game on the road, that was a tough one for him. He's always struggled in that new stadium for whatever reason. Playing at L.A. in general has not been a picnic for him. L.A. and Green Bay seem to be the two spots on the road for whatever reason. that He's just really struggled to be able to throw the football and, and move his team to get points. But we have seen him those last four or five weeks start to look like the Russell Wilson of old. And really, this was a tale of four seasons for Russell Wilson because – the first five games, even though the Seahawks started off two and three, Russell Wilson had the highest passer rating in the NFL when he got hurt. And then he has surgery. He's on injured reserve. So you lose him for three weeks, three games. He's out for four weeks. You get him back after the bye week. And then you've got three or four weeks where you're just wondering, where have you taken my Russell Wilson? Where is number three with him airmailing slants and curl routes and throwing five yards behind on slants and underthrowing deep balls or he's overthrown. He just couldn't find the right spot. There was no rhythm there. And then to close out the season, you gradually start to see a healthier Russell Wilson play like the quarterback that we know that he's capable of playing as. Were there some mistakes? The Bears game, absolutely. And the game they should have won some critical mistakes. They're holding on to the football too long, taking sacks. But as far as throwing the football, we saw vintage Russell Wilson that last month of the season. So that's really good news. And seeing the way that he was firing strikes, hitting moving targets, stable targets, you name it. He was hitting everything out there. And the announcers were just stunned watching the display of precise passing from Russell Wilson. So this really is great news. And again, it all boils down to, is he going to be on the team or not? You and I would both agree at this point, we expect Russell Wilson is going to be with the Seahawks in 2022 and watching the way that he threw in that competition you're hoping he's back out there firing strikes to dk metcalf tyler lockett and d eskridge because you still have hopes that this can be one of the most explosive passing games in the entire nfl yeah you're hoping that uh other gms around the league don't look at that that skills competition kind of like a jim halpert stare at the camera moment like oh let's uh let's get on the phone here He's he's pretty darn good still. Um, not that the Seahawks, you know, would. would I, I truly, truly believe he'll be back with the Seahawks. And even if they teams come with some crazy offers, you don't. You, there's only one Russell Wilson. It's so darn hard to find a franchise quarterback in this league. We don't have to get into this, but clearly, he is still one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And I would take more stock in these skills competitions than I do the actual game. I'm with you. I, I that is literally not possible for me to care less about the actual Pro Bowl game. But stuff like this can get me excited. One other thing from this skills competition that involved Russell Wilson, and I'm really it was the highlight of the night, 
they were doing a best catch competition, kind of like the slam dunk contest in the NBA. And you had these players jumping off of trucks and onto tables and doing all these crazy stunts, trying to catch passes. And Trayvon digs the corner for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the only time that Russell Wilson is going to be cool with him catching a pass from him. I'm sure. But Trayvon Diggs did a flip in midair and ended up snagging a pass from Russell Wilson before landing on a pad. And it was really cool. He ended up winning the top catch. And so, again, it's like the NBA All-Star Weekend. You really enjoy those competitions where you really get to see these guys show off their athleticism and their special skills in a different setting. NBA All-Star Game, I can watch occasionally. Can't say the same for the Pro Bowl. It's just, again, it's crazy how much things have changed because there used to be a time players like Jack Youngblood, they were playing with a broken leg in the Pro Bowl because the stakes were different back then and the money was different. Now it's like, oh, you're paying me 75000 to produce or play in this game. I can go make that in my sleep doing a commercial for somebody and I don't have to worry about getting hurt. So it's just a different era. Nonetheless, really cool to see Russell Wilson out there throwing like we know he's capable of with precision, both in the short, immediate, intermediate, and deep passing game. Just looked like the Russell Wilson we've grown to love and adore in his 10 seasons in Seattle. Speaking of Russell Wilson, it was a struggle this year for him and the Seahawks on third down. Nick and I are going to be sharing some thoughts on why things went awry on third down this year for the Seahawks and what Wilson, Shane Waldron and company can do to try to improve and make sure that they don't have the same issues come back to bite them in 2022. There's an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, and it's called GetUpside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 per gallon on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Download the free GetUpside app today and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get $0.25 per gallon back on your first tank. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march to the playoffs right to the big game in a few weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your favorite sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates on current games. Don't wait to take advantage of the all-new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's episode, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got the Super Bowl coming up and sponsored by Get Upside. We are going to have the Locked On NFL team on site in Los Angeles covering the big game. Exciting matchup between the Bengals and Rams coming up. So make sure to subscribe to the Locked On NFL podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Seahawks this past season had a disappointing 7-10 and record, finished last place in the NFC West. A number of things went wrong. You could really say 
that everything went wrong, at least compared to expectations for the Seahawks this year. And that included Russell Wilson struggling more than we've ever seen him. He dealt with an injury for the first time in his career, missed games for the first time in his career. Really, though, the thing that grounded this football team more than anything, and I think you and I would agree on this because it has ripple effects on the rest of the football team, the struggles on third down really from week one till about week 16. At the end of the year, they started to convert third downs, but for 90% of the season, the Seahawks were abysmal on third down. They weren't able to sustain drive. It didn't matter if Russell Wilson was in the lineup or not. They weren't moving the chains, and that put the defense on the field way too much. They consistently got dominated in the time of possession battle. That was a huge problem this year that probably cost them several games that they could have won if the offense was just a bit more efficient on third down. They finished 23rd in the league in third down conversion rate. And honestly, Nick, that is much higher than it should have been just because the last two games fared well. They were down there with offensive juggernauts like Jacksonville and Detroit and Chicago for most of the season. And the last two weeks, they were able to get a little bit of distance, but this was still You can't sugarcoat it. One of the worst third down performing teams in the NFL all year long. Yeah. And just to kind of hammer home how important third downs are, our third down conversion is, you know, of of the 14 of the top 14 teams of third down conversions all had winning records. And of the 14 playoff teams, only two were outside the top 14, the Steelers and the Bengals, because, you know, the Bengals are just breaking trends right and left. Who knows? (laughs) <laughs> How the heck they did that? <laughs> it's the Joe Burrow effect, I guess. He just makes it happen. But and then it, it sounds like converting third downs consistently needs leads to more wins. I don't think that, that you need to have like a science experiment to to figure that out. I went back to the last five Super Bowl champions, and the lowest any Super Bowl champion the last five years was in third down conversions was 13th, the Patriots in 2018. And of course, they're well coached and they had a solid defense. So um, clearly you need to be in the top 10 and third downs. If you want to have pretty much any Super Bowl aspirations, unless you're the 2021 Bengals. <laughs> um, but it's, it's clearly a, a recipe for success. And, and just cause it, you, like you mentioned, it kind of leads one thing to another, an extra third down. I think that we, we covered this a little while ago is that, you know, there, there's scoring drives. One of every three drives turn into, turn into points and you convert three more third downs every game. That's another scoring drive. And in the NFL, three-fourths at least of, te- of games are at least one score or are within one score. So that extra three-third downs could lead to a win or a loss. So it's just – it's so important. And clearly the teams that struggle to convert third downs are the teams that don't have winning records. And it's inexcusable, in my in my opinion, that the Seahawks, with Russell Wilson at quarterback, ranked in the same – yeah, with the Lions, the, the Jaguars – Taylor Heineke with the Washington football team, commanders, whoever, and uh, and the Houston freaking Texans had a better third down conversion rate than the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. Inexcusable. It has to get better. Yeah, let's talk about how it can get better. And, and I'm not going to point out everything from my article that I posted on the Seahawk Maven today, but just kind of skimming over six bullet points here. For the Seahawks, I think the first thing that we can say, and this goes for all teams, you want to be a better third down team, just avoid third down altogether. Pick up first downs on first and second down. We're seeing a lot of teams doing that. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL at converting early down throws into first downs. And we know the success that both of those guys have had in the NFL. They both won a Super Bowl. They've won a bunch of playoff games. They've won MVPs. 
a lot of the quarterbacks in the top 10 for that percentage were in the postseason this year. And the ones that weren't, and it was only like a couple of them, still had decent numbers. So it is certainly a statistic that bears success getting the postseason, maybe advancing deep into the postseason as well. Uh, the first big thing I would really want to point out, though, that was stating the obvious, that you want to avoid third down if you can, be more aggressive, but accuracy. Russell Wilson this year had an 18% drop-off from early down completion percentage to third down. That was the biggest discrepancy of any of the 31 qualified quarterbacks this year. His completion rate on third downs ranked 28 in the league. He only had two rookies in Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and Baker Mayfield behind him in that category. That is not company as a nine-time Pro Bowl quarterback that you want to keep, and yet that's where Russell Wilson was. And he was struggling there before he got hurt. So this was not just about his injury, but obviously that's plain and simple. He's got to be much more accurate and some of that had to do coming back from the injury was missing throws. He normally wouldn't. He was airmailing slants and curls we talked about earlier. But again, this was an all-season struggle for Russell Wilson. He has never been a great third-down quarterback for as talented as he is. He's never necessarily been great in that category. But if he's able to get that completion rate up 5 to 10% and he's able to convert a handful of those plays he didn't this year into first downs, the Seahawks might be a 10 or 11 win team. That's how big of a difference that that could make for Seattle. So accuracy is certainly the biggest takeaway that I had first and foremost. He's just got to do a better job getting the football to his receivers. Yeah, and that kind of leads to another point is getting him to your playmakers. And and Tyler Lockett is is your best overall wide receiver. I know we we can all agree DK Metcalf might be more of a gifted, just pure physical talent over to, over Tyler Lockett. But as far as just a reliable source. Tyler Lockett, I think uh, I, I tweeted about this a little bit ago. He's the only one. I think the threshold is 800 yards. He's the only wide receiver this year with at least 800 receiving yards. I think there's 30-something of them with zero drops. Like he, he was literally perfect when you targeted him, and it was on target. And so the fact that he only got 13.4% of the targets on third down, Corbin, is troubling. That's offensive malpractice. That's what it is. I mean, a player of that caliber, and this falls on your coordinator, this falls on your quarterback. Both of them are to blame. Shane Waldron, you've got to do a better job scheming to get Tyler Lockett the football. 13.4% of third downs, that is way too low. Russell Wilson's got to be looking at that and thinking, there's that many plays that I'm not looking his direction. You have got to get the football to your playmakers. And DK Metcalf, he had a 31% share of third downs this year, but only caught 14 out of 33 passes. So you've got a much different dilemma there. Russell Wilson was trying to get the football to him, and the chemistry between those two just wasn't working out. When Wilson did get the ball to Metcalf, 13 first down conversions on 14 catches, so he was effective. But again, these two just were not on the same page this year for much of the season, especially on downfield throws. And maybe that's another thing that jumps out to me. You can look at the distribution to your star receivers. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett should have more than 50% of your third down targets between the two of them. They were under 50% combined this year. They also ran go routes. Or Russell Wilson targeted go routes 21% of the time on third downs this year. To me, that is too high of a percentage when you're talking over 100 pass attempts. Those are just too low of a percentage chance of passes that you can have almost a quarter of your plays being drawn up that you are throwing the deep ball. 
there's a reason that you have a low conversion rate when that is the case. And so to me, those two things kind of tie together because you know Lockett and Metcalf are both elite downfield deep ball threats. You want to take your shots. But two years ago, Seattle was at 9.8%. They were over 21% this year for go route percentage on targets. I would be wanting to lean more towards that 9.8 and getting more of those short intermediate routes that are going to have a higher completion rate so I can move the chains. Yeah, that's it, it sounds it's one of those easier said than done things. I, it, there's people a lot smarter than you and I, Corbin, are going to have to go into this. Um, and it's clearly that this needs to get better. And Russell Wilson obviously is going to know that They're the best teams that the winning teams self scout. And if if I had to pick one thing this this offseason that the Seahawks got better on in-house, I know you can add guys in the draft, add guys in free agency, you know, hire a defensive coordinator of some of somebody. <laughs> um, but as far as in-house improvements, if I had to pick one, it would be improvement on third downs on offense because that really can change a game. And and you, you saw teams, Corbin, it, clearly they were struggling against man coverage. You can dive into this, but clearly teams started to, to learn that the Seahawks really do struggle against specific schemes, especially on third down. And you, you got to get through that. You, the best teams in the league, get those third downs despite of some solid defensive uh, game plans and the Seahawks just didn't get it done was well it's it's definitely takes two to tango it takes offensive coordinator Shane Waldron not doing a good enough job and Russell Wilson not executing but but the coverages clearly gave them some struggles again you can check out my article on the Seahawk Maven where I dive deep details on all of these different issues that plague the Seahawks on third down. But just summarizing one last point, as you mentioned, the coverage aspect, Russell Wilson completed around 40% of his throws against cover one last season on third down, which is a man coverage with one zone deep safety. He was below 50% and really struggled to move the chains. You're talking a 28% conversion rate when you include two touchdown passes that he had against cover one. They just weren't moving the chains. And he really struggled in a large part because of the route distribution again. There's very few crossers, very few dig routes, those intermediate throws to the middle of the field that Russell Wilson has turned down a lot in his career. He was not taking those opportunities very much on those third downs against man coverage. And you've got to be able to do that to beat man coverage. Everybody that knows football knows crossing routes. If you've played Madden, that is the secret to beat man coverage is mesh, baby. Mesh. Yeah, mesh, all those type of plays. So, yeah, 100% right. That, those are the kind of things that you look at the stats that Russell Wilson and the Seahawks were not doing. Some of that might be on the coordinator not setting those plays up against man coverage. But – They've got to do a better job of beating man coverage and against your two high shells, the cover twos, cover fours, cover sixes of the world. Russell Wilson had higher completion rates, over 60% against those three types of schemes, but only had five touchdowns compared to three picks, so not overly efficient against those defenses. He was great against cover three, did well against cover zero as he has throughout his career, but there are certainly areas that you got to look back, and he's had a lot of time to figure this out. you got to figure out – how can I get better beating these types of schemes? Because as long as you're struggling, smart teams are going to keep running those same schemes against you until you prove that you are going to do a better job. And so, again, all of these are different factors. We could talk offensive line here as well. They struggled to protect Russell Wilson once again. Pro Football Focus had them number one on third down for sack percentage allowed and number one for pressures, almost 50% of the third downs that they 
ended up tracking. They credited pressure. So the O-line's got to be better too. But I think a lot of this, you look at the stats, really falls on the play caller and it falls on the quarterback. Those two have to do a much better job next season. If they are able to fix some of these issues we talked about, this will be a significantly better team on third down, which means this should be a significantly better offense as a result. It's free agency Friday. We're going to start diving into division by division. We have to start with the NFC West, the three rivals for the Seahawks. You and I, Nick, will be picking one player from each team that we think the Seahawks should pursue in free agency. We're now in the second month of the new year. If you're still grinding at your New Year's resolution, make sure you are including Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. And unlike other protein bars, it's not chalky or waxy or tastes like a chemical spill. If you want to eat healthy, don't worry. 100% real chocolate. Built Bar's 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Way better than a candy bar that's got 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. Tons of delicious flavors to choose from, including coconut almond, my personal favorite peanut butter brownie, mint brownie, salted caramel. Built's always coming out with new limited time flavors, so make sure to check out Built.com often to see what's new. Visit Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off of your order. That's LOCK15 at Built.com for 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm Corbin Smith, joined by Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. It's free agency Friday. We're going to be doing this every week all the way up till the start of free agency in mid-March. We've already looked at Seattle's current unrestricted free agents that are going to be hitting the market. Last week, we looked at some players that maybe the Seahawks can bring in as part of a package deal with whoever they select as their defensive coordinator. If that happens in the next two months, we don't know when they're going to hire a defensive coordinator, but... We're going to switch gears now, turning this into an extended series up till the start of free agency. We're going to be looking at all eight divisions in the NFL, and we are going to be picking one player off of each team that we think would be an intriguing addition for the Seahawks to make to their roster in free agency. And where better to start than in the heart of the NFL's toughest division, Colin Coward calls it the SEC of the NFL. It's the NFC West. We saw the 49ers and Rams make it to the NFC Championship game. The Cardinals made the playoffs. The Seahawks were the only ones this year that didn't make the postseason. So you and I are going to select one player that is going to be a free agent for each of the three teams that we would like to see the Seahawks make a run at. And we're going to start with the one team that still has a game left in the schedule the Los Angeles Rams, and I'm going to throw this caveat out there for our listeners. If you listen to last Friday's show, we talked extensively about the possibility of signing Von Miller. So Nick and I agreed Von Miller could not be picked for this one, so we can look at some different players. But Nick, looking at that Rams roster, they have some high-profile free agents that are potentially going to be hitting the market. They have a tight cap situation, probably can't bring back most of those players. Who is the one free agent that might hit the market you think the Seahawks should make a run at from the Rams? Yeah, I think the Rams are going to be bottom four for cap space and, and maybe in the red there. But look, I'm going to I'm gonna eat some crow here for, for a second. And my guy, I was very wrong about, even during this past season, 
when the Seahawks had an opportunity to bring him in. And that's Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ. And I know that I'll get some eye rolls. That's okay. I rolled my eyes just a few, maybe a month or two ago about this concept. But I got to tell you, watching him with the Rams, I I can't remember the last time I did a 180 on a player so quickly. And because, you know, when we all had these conversations when he was on the waiver wire and the Seahawks were maybe going to sign him, is oh, yeah, he's a prima donna diva. You know, he didn't work out in Cleveland. And I think we can all agree, watching him with the Rams, that the problem was not OBJ. The problem was Cleveland and perhaps Baker Mayfield because with the Rams, he looks like every bit the receiver he was for New York, even maybe even better because now he's got some experience. Just some, you know, the stats, he's been targeted 48 times with the Rams, zero drops. He's been sure-handed. He's been one of the better players. And um, I heard a story that, that uh, he actually talked with the, the Cooper Cups and the, and the Robert Woods in the receiver room before they came. And, and clearly he was on board with maybe being third fiddle. That was before Robert Woods was, was obviously uh, out for the year. But he was okay with that. He was okay to, to be on a winning franchise and, and not being the star, not being the, the prima donna, the Michael Irvin, you know, the, the, that kind of number one guy. And boy, it has worked out. <laughs> he is now one game away from be, getting a ring. And clearly, I, I'm going to humble brag here for a second. I, I, I know Eric Weddle. I, I, I'm familiar with his family and loves OBJ. OBJ is clearly a well-liked guy in the locker room in L.A. And I know it's easy to like people when you're winning, <laughs> but I think that kind of goes hand in hand. And can you you can't tell me that Russell Wilson wouldn't be doing cartwheels if they somehow brought in Odell Beckham Jr. to go along with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Who do you bracket? Who do you double team there? Because that I mean, what you see with yeah. the Rams? Yeah, I mean, if it's not Cooper Cup going wild, it's I think OBJ technically had a, a statistically either as good or better of an NFC title game than Cooper Cup just because who do you like? It's pick your poison, and with the Seahawks, it would definitely be that. So. I'm going to say Odell Beckham and enough of those like, oh, we used to be too expensive. Enough of that. The Seahawks need to make a splash. They are in top 10 in salary cap. They're approaching 40 million in cap space. Odell Beckham Jr. is absolutely someone who would inject juice into this team and this fan base. Yeah, and I think it sounds, from what I've been hearing, like he wants to stay in L.A. I just don't know that they're going to be able to work that out because of their salary cap situation. So if he hits the market and he's available – he has shown that this was a Cleveland problem, as you mentioned. It's Baker Mayfield's problem, not being able to get the football to him. Given a good quarterback like Matthew Stafford, like Russell Wilson, he is still a elite receiver. It's still very talented. And like Rob said earlier this week, something stuck out. I believe that it was Joe Buck that said you're only as good as your third receiver, and I 100% agree. So if you put him in that lineup with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, we talked about this when they, they could possibly have claimed him off waivers and they didn't do it, that what a trio of receivers that could have been. I don't know if that makes a difference for them being able to get to the playoffs. Probably not with the situation that they were in. But it's still an exciting topic to talk about. I'm going to the secondary with a player that did not have as good of a year this year as he did in 2020. Russell Wilson can tell you all about the season that Darius Williams had in 2020. Intercepted him about a million times including a pick six in the wild card game on a screen. Jumped the screen, took it back to the house for six points. Darius Williams is going to be 29 years old. So he's not an old player, but he's not young necessarily either. 
but I think he's still got several good years left in him. He had five interceptions two years ago. He's a natural slot corner. He would instantly be an upgrade over Marquise Blair, Ugo Amadi playing that position. He's been more durable than what Marquise Blair has been. He's going to be on the last year of his deal, Marquise Blair. So I'm going with Darius Williams, and I'm taking away one of the better secondary players from the Rams, putting him in my secondary, hopefully next to DJ Reed, maybe Sidney Jones, Trey Brown, whoever the outside corners are going to be. Darius Williams would make that secondary that much better. And, oh, by the way, you're talking about a guy that still had nine pass breakups this year, 11 the year before. He just knows how to get his hands on the football, and that was something we didn't see enough from Seattle's secondary as a whole this year, Darius Williams could solve that issue immediately upon his arrival. So I think that he's a guy that's worth looking at that might be more affordable just because he didn't have as good of a season, was still decent this year, but didn't play at the all-pro level like he did two years ago. Now let's flip gears to another team that made the postseason but had an early exit, the Arizona Cardinals. Nick, you actually were torn on this one before the show. Who did you end up picking as your selection? Well, I'm going to go with one of the obvi most obvious ones, and that's Chandler Jones, who, you know, future most likely ring of honor player for the Cardinals. Um, and half of it is because I'm sick of him sacking Russell Wilson. And him, <laughs> him on the Seahawks would, uh, by default, unless in practice, uh, eliminate that. And he's he's clearly still got it. I mean, he, he is 31. He's going into his early 30s, but four-time All-Pro, two-time or four-time Pro Bowl or two-time All-Pro. Get him off the Cardinals. Get him off of Russell Wilson's back. And he, he's back at a Pro Bowl level this year after a bad injury in 2020. And clearly, he, he bounced right back. Got 10 and a half sacks, uh, 26 quarterback hits, um, and had 39 or 36 pressures, I think, which is right up there with his career average. So. He bounced right back after that injury. He's still got it. Obviously, you, you'd be a little uh, wary of signing a pass rusher entering his, his early to mid-30s, but he, he still has it. And, yeah, again, half of it is just not wanting him on the Cardinals anymore. Um, but anytime you can upgrade your pass rush, and we, we talked about this with Von Miller. I mean, we, when you're talking about bringing in a guy like Chandler Jones, I am extremely excited for Daryl Taylor's future with this team and, and what he can do with the Seahawks. And as a pass rusher, I think he's a pro bowler in waiting and bringing in a guy like Chandler Jones, who's kind of played a little similar in a similar way, bringing him as a mentor and also a guy that can still do it. That, that's, that's the perfect combo right there. Yeah. I think he's the easy selection. This one, I thought about the corpse of AJ green briefly for this, just because he still had decent numbers, but I'm actually going to go – I probably would pick this player over Chandler Jones now to think about it just because Colt McCoy – you want to talk about a player that I don't want to see playing for someone else against the Seattle Seahawks. Colt McCoy turns into Tom Brady every time that these two teams play, or regardless of who Colt McCoy is on. McCoy's won all three of his games with different teams. He beat the Seahawks quarterbacking the Cleveland Browns, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, bring him in. Make him your backup. You can't beat him. Make him join you as Russell Wilson's backup. And I will say this. He has shown that he can win games stepping in as a backup. He did it for Arizona several times this year, filling in for Kyler Murray. So I would absolutely make him my backup. Not that Geno Smith did a bad job, but Colt McCoy, if Russell Wilson went down for a game or two, I would be very comfortable putting Colt McCoy out there, especially comfortable knowing I don't have to play and try to game plan against you. Because again, 
he has really been the Seahawks kryptonite. There might not be a quarterback in the NFL that scares them more than Colt McCoy when you consider what he has done against them. So bring him on over. New backup quarterback, Colt McCoy. Come on down. Yeah, I feel like uh, Robin Williams from Jumanji. What year is it? <laughs> it's 2010 or something. I mean, yeah, but you're right. 112.9 passer rating against the Seahawks this year just picked him apart. So uh, no complaints from me. That's as solid as backup as ever. And yeah, bring him and Chandler Jones in. Cardinals get a lot less, uh, less scary. Let's talk San Francisco 49ers now, the last team here on our NFC West roundup. And I'll admit, when we were going into this segment, I just started thinking about how the Seahawks signing former 49ers has not necessarily panned out. Kerry Hyder had one and a half sacks last year. Akella Witherspoon was off the team by middle of training camp, traded the Pittsburgh Steelers. At one point, they signed Dante Johnson. He didn't even last more than a week with the team. Very rarely, DJ Reed has been the one exception, but most of the time the Seahawks have brought in former 49ers, it has blown up in their face or it just simply has not worked out. And so I looked at their list of free agents and nobody really jumped out to me who would you pick if you had to sign one player from the 49ers to the Seahawks roster? Who'd stand out as, as somebody that could maybe help this football team? Well, I kind of treated the 49ers and their kind of lackluster roster of a list of free agents as my hedge team. Meaning if, if the Seahawks failed to bring back a couple guys I got my eye on that are impending free agents for the Seahawks, if they fail to bring one or two of those guys back, then this is a, this is, these are players I would look at. I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at them otherwise as an addition. If if well, let's let's start with Rashad Penny. If the Seahawks can can bring back Rashad Penny, I, I think that they're pretty much out of the free agent market for 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 running backs just because they got two very solid options in Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. And and if they somehow do not bring them bring Penny back, a guy that like Jeff Wilson, I think is a good option for the for the Seahawks. I looked at Raheem Mostert, but I think that that Jeff Wilson is a bit more of a, a fit. Um, I, I just like the, the combo of size and athleticism and he can do a couple things for you. He's coming off of a limited year with some injuries, but he, he's, he's two, two seasons, uh, removed or a season removed from a 600 yard, seven touchdown year, had over 700 scrimmage yards in 2020. So he, he's got some wiggle. He's got some, some ability and you're not going to ask him to be the total bell cow. And so Jeff Wilson's a guy I, I would definitely look at if you lose Rashad Penny and if you lose Quandre Diggs, so these are my those are my top two probably free agents, and, and DJ Reed is another one um, that I don't want the Seahawks to lose. Um, Quandre Diggs, if you lose him for for whatever reason, I really really hope you don't. I think that I really really hope that Seattle gets it done with Quandre Diggs. But if you do, uh, Jaquaski Tart is a guy that I would certainly look at. Um, he, he's a pretty decent versatile safety. He's played both spots, and you know you have an in, unfortunately an injury prone strong safety in Jamal Adams. Um, if you can get him back, he'll either be a great hedge. If he gets hurt and you can slot him over, he can play free safety. He's done both for San Francisco. And um, he, he's pretty reliable unless you want to make a Super Bowl uh, uh, appearance ceiling interception. But I, 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 I was a free shot. Sorry, Jaquaski Tart. Um, but that, uh, he's otherwise been a pretty solid uh, uh, safety. He had a bit of a uh, up and down year as far as coverage-wise, but he did allow uh, less than 58% completion percentage when targeted this past year. So those are my two hedges. Um, certainly not blow off the page guys like what the Rams have um, or, or the Cardinals, but yeah, no penny. Look at Jeff Wilson, maybe even Raheem Mostert, um, but probably Jeff Wilson and no digs. Give uh, Jaquaski Tart a call. 
My candidate, I don't know that I would call DJ Jones a hedge because he's still in his mid-20s, 305-pound defensive tackle. And I, and I swear, every time the Seahawks play him, he is extremely disruptive. And it feels like this is a guy that should be a great pass rusher, and yet he only had three quarterback hits this year, did have two sacks. That's not really his game. He can collapse the pocket. He's got a quick first step. But he's so disruptive against the run game. Ten tackles for loss this year. Kind of a Puna Ford type player with a bit more size that has a good first step, has good quickness through the gap, can play nose as well as three-tech defensive tackle. He's played some big end. So Seattle could do a lot of fun stuff with DJ Jones. And I know I just mentioned how Kerry Hyder didn't necessarily work out, but that shouldn't deter you from signing a player like Jones, who is younger and to me is just now in the prime of his career and more of a true defensive tackle than what Kerry Hyder is. DJ Jones with the motor that he plays with, the energy, you can just see that he just plays the game the right way and the way the Seahawks like their defensive linemen too. You put him with Puna Ford and or Al Woods, maybe Brian Monet. Imagine the trio or quartet that you would have a defensive tackle if you added him to the mix. And I don't think you'd have to break the bank to sign him because he isn't a great pass rusher, at least statistically. But he seems like he's one of those guys that's more disruptive than the numbers suggest. And I think he'd be a lot of fun on that front for the Seahawks. We'll see if Seattle shows any interest. They have shown willingness the last few years to sign players from other teams within the NFC West. Most notably, the 49ers have been the team they've seemed to be most interested in signing their former players. So we'll see what John Schneider does with those three teams all being playoff teams this past year, though. Why not take a player or two away from them, weaken them a little bit, and make your team better going into 2022. So it should be fascinating to see how that plays out once the new league year gets here in March. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee. 51. Check out Locked On Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, we're live streaming on YouTube five days a week. Coming up on Monday, Rob Rang and I will be rejoining. The two of us will share our final thoughts from the Senior Bowl game coming up on Saturday. We'll also be breaking down how Russell Wilson and Dwayne Brown did in Sunday's Pro Bowl in Las Vegas. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the two All-Star games. Go Hawks!